Hey folks, Rhea here. Before we get to the episode, just wanted to let you know that my 2022 dates for the Fundraising Accelerator are up. The first one starts February 18th. So if you need to raise more money from individuals, specifically from major gift individuals, this is for you. Do you need to raise more money in 2022? Duh, obviously. My students experience regularly anywhere from 10 to 40x growth on their initial investment. That's right, I said 40. That's not even a mistake. So check out riawong.com for more details. And I'm offering early bird pricing before January 31st. See you there. Welcome to Nonprofit Lowdown. I'm your host, Rhea Wong. Hey, podcast listeners, it's Rhea Wong with you once again with Nonprofit Lowdown. Today, my guest is Rebecca Epstein, and we are talking about DIY PR. Well, we're going to find out how to be our own PR agents, especially since in nonprofits, we know that we're often working with shoestring budgets and can't really afford to outsource this. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here. We are excited to have you. So before we jump into the dirty details, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company, 15 Media. Sure. So I have been doing PR for about 11 years now. And what sets me apart from other PR agencies is I really only do one thing, which is media relations. I don't do social media. I don't do email marketing. I don't do anything like that. All I do is get the brands and the nonprofits and the businesses that I work with into the media and get them the earned media placements. So that's really interesting because I think a lot of times we may use the words PR and marketing interchangeably. Can you tell us a little bit about what is the difference? Yes, yes, of course. So a lot of times everyone's definition is different, but the way I think about it is a lot of times marketing will come from the business itself. It's your materials, it's your social media, it's you as a nonprofit or you as a business putting the messaging out there to target your customers. But for public relations, what I do, it's that third-party credentialing. So I share the stories or I share the news of the nonprofits I work with, with the media, and then they take it and run with it. So they write the articles or they do the TV interviews. So it's nice for consumers to see this or people who might sign up for your programs or even donors because it gives you that third-party credentialing. It's someone else writing about your brand or someone else giving you that nod of approval that your nonprofit's legitimate. A lot of times I would say PR does fall under the marketing umbrella. The way I think about it is marketing is this huge umbrella that makes up a bunch of stuff and PR is that one piece of it. But unlike a lot of the other marketing things where it's the brand or the nonprofit putting the message out there, PR gives you that third-party credentialing of someone else helping to put the message out there. Yeah, so you've sort of answered my next question because it feels like, especially for a cash-dropped nonprofit, that PR feels like a luxury. Like, well, we can't really afford to do that. But tell me what are some of the benefits you've seen to nonprofits of having really good PR? So I think especially for cash-dropped nonprofits, PR is one of the best things that you can do to get the information about there, out there about your mission or the programs you have or whatever it might be. Because like I said, the work that I do, it's earned media. So when I reach out to a local newspaper on behalf of the nonprofit that I'm working with, I'm not paying the writer to write that story. Obviously, if you are hiring a publicist, the nonprofit's paying the publicist. 
but I firmly believe that nonprofits can do the work themselves to get these earned media placements that don't cost money. And so that's why I think PR is just such a great way that if you're a cash-strapped nonprofit, or even if you have lots of donations, it's such a great way to get the message out there on a low cost. And nothing that you're doing with PR, you're not already doing in other capacities. You know, you're not using any new technology or any, you have to learn anything new. You just kind of have to think about the things that you're already doing in terms of PR. And so that's why I think PR is so important for nonprofits because it is a low cost way to get the messaging out there or get the information about your programming out there. Also, there's two other benefits of PR in terms of donor relations is that, well, I guess there's more than two, but there could potentially allow new donors to hear about you in addition to having people sign up to your program or just general awareness about your mission. It also gives you credentialing. So next time you go to meet with donors, you can say, look, we've been covered in Forbes or we've been covered in our local newspaper or we've had all these TV segments. And another way that I've seen sort of nonprofits use PR to help with donors is to give them that media shout out. So say, for example, you are partnering with a large company or a brand on an event, sponsoring an event. So when you do media relations for that event, then that donor partner will also get the shout out. So it's just an added bonus for them as well. So as you can see, I think there's a lot of benefits for nonprofits to do PR. All right, Rebecca, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can you walk us through a case study of a client perhaps that you work with that has directly benefited from PR? And because I'm the fundraising person, I want to know. Was there a donation? Were there more dollars in the door because of the investment in PR? Yes. And so can I give two examples of what it looks like? So one, I'll use one example of a nonprofit I work with pretty regularly. And they're called Marathon Kids. They're based here in Austin. And they basically try to encourage kids to love running. And so for them, what PR is really useful for is to get people to sign up for their programs. So they're in most of the schools here in Austin. And so we want parents to know about the programming because aside from big donors, they get a lot of their money is actually the parents paying for their kids to be in the programs. So that's one way that we've been able to see that is to just bring general awareness to these programs or these events that they're doing to get more people signed up. And then another example that I actually worked on a few years ago was with this nonprofit that helped bring clean water to areas of the world that that don't have access to clean water. And one of their big fundraisers is actually, they do this thing called a shower strike where they encourage companies or schools to basically not shower for a week in order to raise money for the nonprofit. And then once they hit their goal, that's when they, they shower. So it's a motivation to raise your goal quickly so then people can shower quicker. And with that, we had a tremendous success just sharing the story. The numbers were like from one article, we were able to raise about $3,000. And then they actually were able, we had a series of articles, especially here in Austin, because a lot of the schools were participating in it. We had a series of the news stations and the newspapers that covered this shower strike that the students were participating in, and they exceeded their goal. Off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly what the fundraising goal was. But by the end of the campaign, they had raised way more than that. And it was great to get media attention to it because before it was just sort of the parents donating to the kids. But having that media attention, both on a national and a local basis, 
just amplified it and it let more people know, oh, let's fundraise for this. So those are a little bit different examples of how you can really amplify your fundraising message and get the word out there. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting point because how often have I heard nonprofits say like, we're the best kept secret in fill in the blank city. And without actually investing time and money in PR, you will continue to be the best kept secret. So one question that occurs to me, and I'm wondering if you could speak to this, is how do we think about investing our resources into brand versus PR? Because I think part of it is if we put a bunch of effort in PR and people end up on our website or social media channels and whatever, and our brand isn't very exciting, that's not that helpful. Yes, I can go into a lot of details or ways to really amp up your brand. I think the most important thing you should do before you start reaching out to the media is make sure that your brand is concise. Make sure when people get onto your website, they know your mission. It hits them over the head. They know exactly what work you're doing. Because I actually see this a lot, not only with nonprofits, but just businesses in general, where they're just trying to be so many things to so many people. And I actually encountered a nonprofit not that long ago that reached out to some for some stuff. And it just looking at their website, you just weren't even really sure what they did. They did a lot of different things and there was nothing that tied it all together. So if I can give you one piece of advice before you reach out to the media is just make sure that you're as concise and your mission is just as clear as possible. Along with any programs or services that you offer, make sure you have a page that really clearly outlines everything that you do. And I personally feel like with brands, and on brands, whether you're a for-profit or a non-profit, less is more. So you can't be everything to everyone. So the more specific that you can be, the better. But I do really recommend that before you reach out to the media, just make sure you're concise, your mission's crystal clear, your programming's clear, everything looks good on your website, and then start reaching out to the media. Just because once people reach your website, you want to make sure that they fall in love with what you do and that they're really passionate about it. Yeah, that's such a good point. And actually, it reminds me of one of my pet peeves, which is I think people assume that if you build it, they will come, right? Like the minute someone visits your website will then automatically translate into a donation. And like, that's just not how it works. There has to be a nurture sequence. Like I liken it to dating, like just because you go on a first date, it doesn't mean you're going to get married straight away. Yes. And the more specific that you are, again, I wish all nonprofits could help everyone, but that's just not the case. The more specific you are about who you help or what you do, sure, it might not resonate with everyone, but the people it does resonate with will be really passionate about you and want to donate. So I think it's more important to find those people you really resonate with because you are specific rather than, again, try to be everything to everyone because then it just takes away that specialness. Yeah. I say that all the time, Rebecca, which is like, if you're trying to appeal to everybody, then you're appealing to nobody. Yes, exactly. Even as a small business owner, I struggle with that too, because of course I want more clients. I want more people to work with, but that's why I sort of have just decided to stay in my lane of media relations and then just work on that only. So I totally understand the struggle and it's definitely easier said than done, but it's so important. Okay, let's get into the guts of this. So Rebecca, I'm listening to you and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I'm all about PR. 
Also, I have no staff. Also, I have no budget. So how do you get started with DIY PR? And, and I want specifics around like, how much time are we looking to devote per week? How much money, if any, do we have to put into this? So all of the things. Yes, I'll take it away. And if I start blabbing about something and I forgot to answer one of your questions, just remind me and I'll go back to it. But basically, I really recommend, it's really going to vary from nonprofit to nonprofit. If you have a lot of programs or you do a lot of events, then that's going to take more time than if you maybe have one signature event a year or you have one signature fundraising campaign a year. So it's really going to vary from nonprofit to nonprofit. But as a general rule of thumb, I really recommend trying to spend about an hour or so a week reaching out to the media. And for some people, again, if you don't have a lot of new things happening all the time, you might not need that whole hour, but if you do have a lot of things, I really recommend spending about an hour a week or an hour every other week, just looking for new media contacts, looking for new people to pitch. That being said, now you go into, so how do you actually start reaching out to the media? It is, it's one of those things that's daunting for people. My biggest recommendation, especially if you've never done PR before, is start with your local media. Because let me tell you, local media loves to cover nonprofits. They love to cover those feel-good stories. They love to cover people who are doing really great things in the community. And so if you've never done PR before, I really recommend mastering your local media market first and sending out a few pitches to them so you get comfortable with like how the media works and what story ideas they like and stuff like that. Another reason I really recommend starting with local media is that it's a lot easier to find their email addresses. A lot of times they're on their website somewhere, but I can go into more details about that in a second. So the first thing is, I sort of have a four-step process to how to reach out to the media. And the first step is identifying your story idea. So what are you even sending that the media? And for a lot of nonprofits, I think events or programs are usually the easiest thing to send the media. And I know it's a little tricky with COVID right now. If you're doing events, if you're doing them online, if you're doing them in person, but any type of new fundraising you're doing, any type of new events you're putting on, any type of new programming you're doing, always look at that to send the media. Anything that's new news, maybe you just did a big donation to X, Y, and Z organization. I'll just give you an example that I just worked on for one of the clients is they basically are home to boys that are in the foster care system here in Texas. And they just opened a new dorm. And it's the only dorm in Texas for children that are in the foster care system that they get their individual rooms. They don't have to share rooms with other kids. And so for them, they did a big ribbon cutting for the new dorm. And so we reached out to all the local media. So my biggest recommendation for story ideas is anything, anything new, because the media does love that new news. So that's the first thing. Oh, wait, Rebecca, before you jump in, can you tell me a little bit about what that looks like? Does it look like a press release? Does it look like a direct email? What would you recommend? Yes. Yeah, so that is my step number three. Yeah. Cause I feel like the first thing is figuring out like, what are you even going to send the media? Okay. What are you going to pitch? The next thing is figuring out who to send it to. What I really recommend is, especially because we're specifically talking about local media now, is I would look to see where other nonprofits in your area are being covered. So start following them on Instagram, start following them on Facebook, because I promise you, if they're getting media attention, they're going to share it with their social media audience. So definitely start to pay attention. If you have no idea where you even want to be or what media outlets, start to pay attention to where the other nonprofits are being covered. 
because from there you can see like, oh, this writer is interested in local community events. So they'll probably be interested in my local community events. Another thing is once you've followed and seen where other nonprofits are being covered, you should also look on the websites of the media outlets. So look on the website of your daily newspaper, look on the websites of all the TV stations in your area. And somewhere on there, sometimes it's at top, sometimes it's on the bottom, there'll be a contact us or an about us or a newsroom email page. And from there, you should be able to find the email addresses of everyone that works at the outlet or for the TV stations, it will be a generic newsroom email address. So the second step is just start building your media list. Just start familiarizing yourself with the media outlets in your area and looking for that contact page. Or sometimes it's even on the articles. Like you'll see an article from a nonprofit and it'll have the writer's name and their email address. You just kind of have to dig around a little bit on the website to see what you can find. And then the third thing is actually, okay, so you know what you're going to pitch. You know who you're going to pitch. Okay, so how do you actually reach out to the media? I would say... Right now, I don't use a lot of press releases, to be honest. A lot of times, I usually have a website that I can link to, or I have the information. The good thing about press releases is you have the information all in one spot. But say, for example, you're doing an event, you probably have an event page or a Facebook page or something where all the information is right there. So especially as you haven't really done PR, I wouldn't recommend taking the time, at least right now, to write a press release. I always recommend just doing a pitch. And so what a pitch is, is a short email, just letting the media know about what you're doing or what the event specifics are or what your new programming is. Just all in one email, short, concise, link to all the proper places. For more information, visit the event page here. But I really see people get caught up on writing their email pitches. And it just needs to be short, concise, all the important information in the body of the email. It doesn't have to be long. It actually shouldn't be long because the media gets so many pitches a day or a week that the longer they are, the less likely they are to open them. And so just a short email with information is all you really need to do. I wouldn't overthink it at all. And one other thing about in that email, also make sure in addition to the event information or the specific information that you're pitching, Include some information about what your nonprofit is, especially if you haven't pitched a lot or the media might not know a lot about you, is include some information about the nonprofit as well. And then I have one more quick step is follow up. I always mention this to set realistic expectations. Like I said, I've been doing PR for almost 11 years and there are still times I send out a pitch and just get crickets. No one responds. And so I do want to set the expectation that you might need to follow up if you're not getting any responses. And so I usually, you can follow up based on that first email you sent, or if you even want to call the media contact, especially again, if you're pitching local media, a lot of the information is on the website. You can just call them because truthfully, we're all guilty of it. Sometimes things do fall to the bottom of our inbox and we don't mean to ignore it. So two things that you said, Rebecca, that I just want to highlight as well is it's funny having a podcast, people pitch me, 90% of the pitches I get, I'm not interested in because they often don't make it easy for me to understand what it is they're bringing to my audience. So they just end up talking about themselves. And actually you're a rare example. You pitched yourself, but you made it very easy for me to understand what the angle would be and why I should have you on my show as far as adding value to the audience. Can you talk a little bit more about thinking about the angle? Yes. And I guess, again, because there are so many types of media, 
what I would recommend is we're only looking at local media is to really show why what you're doing impacts the local community. Why is this important to people? Who is this helping? Stuff like that. But I think as a general rule of thumb, I always say less is more with pitches. People are busy. People aren't going to sit and read paragraphs and paragraphs of text. So the less you can put, the better. Put all the important details. Tell why it's important to your community. Tell why it's important to that specific audience. And that's really it. Really try not to get bogged down in the details. And it's hard because I think each nonprofit is different. There's always a little bit of nuance. But like one thing I see, for example, is sometimes people get so bogged down with like awards, writing a million awards they've gotten. And those are usually not important to anyone except you. So like that's one example I see a lot when clients come to me and they want to include all these like awards in their pitches. I usually ask that right away and try to really find like, okay, why is this person who knows nothing about you or nothing about your organization going to care? Why is this important to them? And it's usually not, not necessarily industry awards or anything like that. Yeah. The other thing that you didn't mention, but I think is important to talk about is also thinking about seasonality. So like if there's something in the news that links up nicely with the work that you're doing, like that can be a good hook. Could it not? Yes, a hundred percent. And so that's sort of one of the things I talked always because I have sort of a checklist of five different places to get story ideas. And the new news is always the main one, just because it's usually the easiest if you have something new, but seasonality is also really important. Like, so for example, in the past, I've worked with a lot of nonprofits that are for children. And so we always do like a lot of back to school pitching tips for back to school tips for how to do that tips for that. So you can look at like season your, your traditional seasons, like fall, spring, winter, and see if you can fit into that. You can also look at like seasonal moments like back to school or summer vacation or whatever it might be. And then also the other one is just any breaking news. So like something's happening in your community that impacts the audience that you sort of help, then you can offer yourself as an expert. So there are a lot of ways to get media attention outside of just those new news type events. But I always find when you're first starting out, doing that news pitching is usually the easiest. And then once you get a hang of that, you can look at some of these other story idea topics. Great. So Rebecca, I'm listening to you. I'm putting myself in the position of being an ED and saying, okay, Rebecca, I hear you. It's an hour a week. How do I even get started with a plan if we've never done PR before? What does that look like? Sure, of course. It's like anything else. The more you do it, the easier it's going to become. And so my biggest recommendation is I wouldn't necessarily worry about a huge plan right now. I would just worry about getting that first pitch sent out because the thing about it is the people that are getting media attention, they're getting it because they're reaching out to the media. It doesn't always mean that they're the best nonprofit or the best brand. It's just that they're simply reaching out. And so if you've really never done anything before, you're feeling very overwhelmed, I would just really recommend pitching one person a week. Like that's all you need to do is start very small. And then once you get the hang of it, you can go from there. And, you know, maybe you look at an event you have coming up and that's your first pitch and you're going to pitch one person or five people, or maybe you do look at those really have an event or you don't have anything new. So you do look at those seasonal moments and you think like, oh, the ED of the organization, they can really talk about tips for kids going back to school or what to think about. One of the clients I work with a ton is like a huge children's hospital organization here in Austin. And they technically are a nonprofit too, even though they're massive. 
And so we do a lot of that seasonality pitching is like, so right now all of the pediatricians are doing a million back to school articles. Then we'll do Halloween safety tips coming up in September for October. And so we look at ways to position our experts as thought leaders. So I would definitely look at what you have going on now and into the last few months of the year and see if there's any events. And if not, really look at those seasonality topics and see how you can insert yourself into the conversation or insert a member of your team into the conversation. But again, like it's one of those things where I do just recommend sort of just jumping in and getting started. If you really want to create a PR plan, I do think that's important down the line once you get an idea of how it works and see like what the local media is fighting on. There are templates online. There's a ton of them. So you can just Google PR plan and you can kind of see what fits in there. But I sometimes think that will just bog you down and you'll get, you'll spend too much time creating the plan that you won't actually ever do the pitching. So I think just reaching out is really the first step. So talk to us about the role of relationships, Rebecca, because I worked at the PR firm before and a lot of the placements that we got were on the basis of relationships that my PR firm had with reporters and so forth. So can you talk a little bit about how important is it to have a relationship? Because as you say, they get a million pitches a day. And if we don't have a relationship, how do we start to develop a relationship? Yes, exactly. And so the thing is, think about it this way. This is what I always tell people when that question comes up is that, first of all, everyone starts from somewhere. Every publicist is starting with no relationships or they are starting from square one. And so just because you don't work with someone a lot doesn't mean you're never going to get media attention. You can build that relationship over time. Even me, for example, I'll reach out to new publications that I've never worked with before or new people that I don't have any relationship with. Nowadays, too, There's just so many media outlets out there. You know, there's podcasts, there's blogs, there's your traditional newspapers, TV stations, and people are changing around so quickly. So there's no way that even publicists who do this eight hours a day are going to have relationships with every single person that they work with. So I wouldn't let that deter you. However, especially if you're starting by pitching your local media, you will start working with the same people over and over again, especially depending the size of your market there really aren't going to be that many people. And so for me, one of the best ways I think to build relationships with people is to be as easy to work with as possible. A lot of times deadlines are tight, be responsive. If someone needs images and they tell you they need them by tomorrow at 5 p.m., make sure you get those images. Just the best way, again, is it's nothing rocket science. It's just be easy to work with and make sure you're being aware of deadlines and getting people things that they need. And if for whatever reason, you know, sometimes things happen, sometimes things are delayed, just communicate that. Leave the communication open and let them know what's happening because most of the time people are pretty understanding. As long as you're easy to work with, I think people will come back to you over and over again. Okay, so before we open it up for questions, what are some of your favorite tools, both free and paid? Yes, so I use a fancy PR database called Cision. So it's very expensive every year. So if you can, or if you can somehow share it with some other nonprofits, it's very nice because you can like type in a publication name and it will tell you the people that work there. Again, even sometimes that's not up to date. So it's not an end-all be-all. But some of the things that I like that are free are I spend a lot of time on Google News looking up, again, the competitors of the brands that I'm working with. So like I'm working on a nonprofit that helps X, Y, and Z, then I'll go through Google News and see where they're, not competitors, but other nonprofits, similar 
are being covered. So I spend a lot of time using Google News for my pitching. Just Google in general is great for this. Another thing is, and it depends, it is time consuming, but another great tool is something called Help a Reporter Out or HARO. And so basically what that is, is there's a paid and a non-paid version. And three times a day, you get emails in your inbox of reporters that are looking for certain things. And there are nonprofit topics on there. A lot of times they're more national publications. The only thing with that is that one, it's time consuming to look through it three times a day because the emails are fairly long. And then also the people on there do get so many answers that sometimes it can feel like it's not really worth your time because you submit answers or you submit the information for their query and you don't get any responses. But it is a good tool to browse and see what people are looking for. Another thing that it's nice for is looking for those seasonal story ideas because you can see like, oh, all these people are working on Labor Day stories right now. So let me work on pitching a Labor Day story. So you can kind of pull out trends from those emails, even if you're not necessarily pitching the people on there. Got it. So what are the baseline materials that we should have ready to go as we think about working with the media? So one of the things I do recommend is, and most people already have this for their fundraising efforts, is some type of like one sheeter or just somewhere that encapsulates all the information about your nonprofit. I do always think that that is really good to have just because when you secure an opportunity, the media This is, I think, a common misconception of the media. And it, of course, depends from contact to contact. But a lot, especially in more traditional media, like TV or newspapers, is the staffs are getting smaller and smaller every day. So like one person is covering 10 different beats. And so unfortunately, they're not really going to have the time to do all the research they need, or they're not going to be able to spend hours researching your nonprofit. So if you can put together like a one-sheeter that just sort of highlights all the major things. I think that's always nice to have for media. Another thing is, and again, it depends on what your nonprofit is, but images can also be really important. If you work with kids a lot, maybe you have images of the activities or, and sometimes that can get a little tricky because you need permission to share those images, but just having the images available are good or any type of B-roll that you might have, stuff like that can really be helpful for the media. Okay, last question before I open it up to the chat. And definitely, folks, if you have questions, throw it in the chat. There are no dumb questions. If I'm an ED and I'm trying to justify to the board that working with a publicist or working with a PR firm is worth it, what are the arguments I can make and how long does it take to usually see some impact here? Yes, I think that the arguments for it go back to one of the first questions you asked is that If you're working with a PR firm and getting those media placements, one, it just gets more exposure for your overall mission. It just lets more people know about you. I think that's sort of the most obvious thing that PR does. Two, if you have programs that the general public can sign up for, it's a great way to get information about those programs out into the public. I think the third one and the most important one, what EDs probably care about the most is going back to those donor relations is that At the end of the day, one, it just gives you that credibility to show donors, like we're a legitimate nonprofit, we're doing the work that we say we're going to do. Two, it can put a megaphone to your fundraising efforts and potentially get you more money or get you more donors. And three, like I said, it's an opportunity for you to give the donors that spotlight too, because when you are pitching or when the publicist or whoever is pitching you, they can mention those donors. And of course, they love the media attention as well. So I feel like there are 
quite a few benefits to getting that media attention as well. Something that occurs to me too is when you say thinking about local media, I'm just wondering, it feels like it might be a bigger challenge if you're in a market like New York, which is so inundated. And, and a lot of the times the local news really considers themselves to be national news. Like I'm thinking of the New York Times as an example, but talk to us a little bit about how we can sort of get a toehold in local news. Yes, of course. And so, I mean, even like a market like New York, where all the national news stations are, they still have local, like New York Daily News is technically still local. AM New York is technically still local. And then all the major networks have their own affiliate there as well. So like Fox 5, I believe it's Fox 5. That's the local New York affiliate. There's also New York 1 that covers a ton of local stories all the time. So New York is a little bit of a tricky market because yes, there are all the national outlets there too. But even in New York, there are those very specific local outlets. And another thing about New York too that's nice is that there's actually neighborhood outlets too. So there's publications that just cover Brooklyn or even more than that, there's publications that cover neighborhoods within Brooklyn, like Williamsburg or Red Hook or whatever. So you just have to start really drilling down and Google will be a great tool for this is you could start searching like Brooklyn newspapers or whatever neighborhood you're in newspapers or news and see what's out there. So even in big markets, there are a lot of local opportunities. You just have to start searching for them, knowing what to search for. So I always recommend searching for things like New York local news or Brooklyn local news, and you'll start to see outlets come up. And Rebecca, is there any tool that maybe we have to pay for, but just efficiently lists like media contacts? Because it feels like a lot of what you're talking about is very time consuming. Yeah, the tools are very pricey. There's things like Scission. But at the same time, think about it this way, is that you don't have to create your whole media list at once. Like I said, say you have 20 minutes. So you're going to spend the next 20 minutes looking for neighborhood newspapers or Googling TV stations in Chicago or whatever it is. And so you just add five new people to your media list. The good thing is once you spend the time doing that, your media list is not going to change that much. So yes, at the beginning, you might feel like it's a lot of time to create this, but once you have it created, or once you start finding contacts that are interested in you, those are the people you're going to go to over and over again. So that's why I really recommend like you can get suck down this rabbit hole and spend hours and hours searching, but just give yourself 15, I'm going to find one new contact in the next 15 minutes. And then again, like once you have that done, you're going to access this list over and over again. So as the time goes on, you're going to spend way less time creating that. So I'm also just wondering, as we do our PR, do we have to have a specific target in mind. So like with your example with Marathon Kids, when I used to run Breaking New York, when we did media placements, we would get a lot of attention from families, but that wasn't necessarily what we were looking to do. I mean, we were looking to get more donors in. So is there a way to be more specific and targeted with the PR? Is it about like the different publications? Like how would you recommend that we fine tune the audience? Yeah. And that's tricky because it really depends on what your goals are. So with the donor thing is, I don't necessarily think you're going to get big donors for media placements. I think if you're going after meeting with big donors, showing them the media placements are really good because it shows that you're legitimate and that you're doing the work that you say you're doing. But 
I think it goes to what you're pitching. And this is maybe getting a little bit in the weeds, but like, for example, with Marathon Kids, sometimes we're pitching a local Austin story. So we reach out to the regular local media outlet. Sometimes we're pitching a more national story. So we'll reach out to like the running media outlets. Like we did a placement with women's running not that long ago because we had a more national story. So it really depends a little bit on the story and your audience. But I do think that with the thing that's tricky is that there aren't one publication that's just going to target donors. The reason that media is so important for donors is because you can go and show them that you've got their name and all this stuff, or this is an example of what you can do. But I do find that it's very, very rare that media placements are going to generate big donors. That being said, one of the first examples that I used was that shower strike. And so we were able to get like individual donors who just liked the mission and, you know, they donated the $5 or whatever it was, but it didn't necessarily garnish like big corporate donor or anything like that. And I personally do not think that there's really any media outlet that would really get that attention. It's more so to use these media placements as a tool when you're reaching out to donors. Right. That's helpful. Though I will say that we did get a placement in the Wall Street Journal for donor of the month. And I think that's helpful because obviously people who we're trying to target read the Wall Street Journal. I have a question coming in from Morgan. So Morgan says that she works at a small nonprofit in New York and they pitch mainly to small publications that specifically have to do with their mission, which is gender and film. So how can they use these past smaller placements to then transition into placing in more general, larger publications like Variety and IndieWire for upcoming bigger news? And is that possible without a publicist? I think it's definitely possible. One thing that's nice about these larger publications nowadays anyways, is a lot of the people that write for them are freelancers. So you can really find their contact information online. I think what you really want to do for those larger publications is again, it goes back to the audience and showing why your mission, how it helps people in their audience. What are the larger trends of your mission or what are the larger things that you're doing that help with some stuff like this? So I think that's the thing you want to do is try not to keep it super specific. And of course, it's hard to know exactly what it would be. But if you can pull out larger trends, how about why their audience would care about this, then chances are they might do a story. And again, it goes back to similar what I was saying for the local is, you know, look through variety and see if there's any similar pieces or on similar topics to what your nonprofit covers and pitch that same writer. And so if you actually go to my website, which is 15-media.com, I have a media cheat sheet. And so what it is, is it's email address format at a bunch of the big publications. And so once you like identify a writer, you say, oh, this person covered a story that's sort of along the same lines as what we're trying to pitch or within the same vein, let me Google them and see if I can find their email address. If you can't find their email address, like on their social media or anything like that, then you can use something like my media cheat sheet where I have the email address formats and then you just plug in their name. So I do think it's totally possible. It's just, again, you really can't, I think that sometimes you don't want to pitch something too specific. You want to show larger impact. You want to show how the work you're doing impacts the larger community that the variety variety readers might care about. So try not to keep it super, super specific, but just show that larger impact. And I think it is possible. Okay. Last two questions for you, Rebecca. What are the decision points that we should consider in terms of hiring a PR firm or a publicist or doing it ourselves? 
I guess at the end of the day, it comes to money versus time. If you have the budget to do it, then it's worth it. It's like anything else. I'm a big believer in trying to outsource anything I possibly can and anything I can possibly afford. So I think that if you have the money to do it, then it's worth it. But if you don't right now, or you're growing, or you do maybe have someone that's like the marketing person on your team, then maybe they can do it themselves and save you that money. Maybe you have an intern that can help with it. So it really comes down to, do you have the budget for it? And there are ways. The thing is, it's like anything else. Sure, you can hire a big PR firm that's thousands and thousands of dollars a month. But there are independent people who maybe are less expensive or there are, there's a website called Upwork, which is like a bunch of freelancers. And some of the people on there are PR people. So you can look at that as well. Or here in Austin, there's a private Facebook group called Austin Freelancers. And I'm sure whatever city you might live in might have something similar. And so people will post on there for different freelancers they're looking for. And sometimes they are looking for PR freelancers and people will comment. So like anything else, I think there's ways to find a publicist that can work within your budget as well. But again, if you feel like at this moment you have to use your resources for other things and you do have a little bit of time to devote, then I totally think you can do it yourself. Right. So Rebecca... Where can folks find you if they want to find out more about you and all of the services that you offer? Yes, you can find me at 15-media.com. It's the word 15 is spelled out. And I have a list of all of my services there. I'm also pretty active on Instagram, which you can find on my website as well, where I share PR tips and different things like that pretty regularly. Awesome. We will make sure to put all of that in the show notes. In the meantime, thank you so much, Rebecca. We learned a lot. And so for those of you listening, Go get some PR going. Yes, just start reaching out. That's what I always tell people. Just reach out because that's really going to be the difference between those who get the PR and those who don't. Absolutely. Start today. All right, take care. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great week.